0: Hello, my name is Tyler Chisholm and welcome to a special episode of Collisions YYC Current and Critical, a focus episode where I sit down with local leaders to discuss the topics of the day. I find myself yet again having a good old-fashioned chat with Mr. We just Mister Tim Raleigh. How are you, Tim? I'm very
1: well, thank you. Good to see you.
0: It was a pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show. We're reminiscing as we both are... Um, uh, immigrants, migrants—you uh, know, inbound. We're not; neither of us are from Alberta, and both originally from Montreal. It's always fun to find a Montreal connection. So that's—if uh, we talk long enough, we'll we would have known somebody who knew the other person sooner or later. Like Calgary is a big, small town, but Quebec is in it, it is in its own way as well, especially in the Anglophone community. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Tim, you are the president and vice chancellor at Ma- Mount Royal University.
1: That's correct for one and a half glorious years.
0: Oh, so fairly newly, can I safely say that's newly minted in a role like that?
1: Uh, it, it feels like it's been a decade, but yes, <laughs> uh, newly minted.
0: Well, I think there was a I, heard a, I heard an analogy that, you know, a week in COVID was like a quarter in normal time. So yeah, if you're in, in COVID years, dog years, I think all of us have been doing things for a lot longer, depending on what the time frame is, but it's just true, a little bit. True. Go ahead, go so, ahead.
1: I was just going to say, sure, feels like, like that for sure. <laughs>
0: yes i think for everybody in many many different ways so before we get into like i think hey we're, this is a calgary audience so everybody knows about mount royal mount royal university so we'll talk about that in a minute but just curious you made the decision to come to calgary a year and a half ago from the coast i like, looked down and did my professional creeping on your linkedin so just was a little bit curious of you, what brought you to calgary and why making the decision to come from the coast to uh you know what is a blustery winter day out here right now
1: <laughs> yeah um uh, you know i i never uh i had visited calgary a few times i have uh, some family here uh but I, you know, uh, I subscribe to the chaos theory. Uh, I had no, I had no plan to uh, to move to Calgary. Um, a few years ago, I was invited uh, to Mount Royal University as part of an external review team. Uh, I wasn't familiar with the university. I, you know, over the years I'd met people and, and they'd say they were from this place. And I, I remember a big a bit of a brouhaha about 12 years ago when uh, Mount Royal was changing from a college to a university, and they were in a little bit of a fight with uh, with Universities Canada and uh, wanting to be recognized. And at the time, I remember seeing the president speak, and I thought, well, that guy's, you know, he's he's pretty passionate. Uh, I was impressed by him. And then I visited to do part of this uh, uh, this review team. And I was super impressed. Uh, I have worked at uh, large research-based universities for the last 20, 25 years uh, as a faculty member, as an administrator. And I've been kind of pushing an agenda of student-centeredness and the importance of the undergraduate student experience for years. And I walked on this campus, and people were wagging their fingers at me and telling me about it and how important it is, and lecturing me about, uh, you know, uh, how Mount Royal is special. And uh, after spending a few days here, I thought, "Holy cow, uh, this is really extraordinary!" And uh, went back to my regular life, uh, very happy. Uh, and a couple of years later, the phone rang, and uh, some nice search consultant said, "Would you be interested in applying for the job as president and vice chancellor?" at, at MRU and I, I kind of thought, yeah, actually, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, 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 uh, I had to go home and speak to my partner and, uh, and, and say, this is, this is kind of a, this, this is weird. This, uh, this, my phone rang and, uh, I think I'd like to do that. Uh, so what do you think? What do you think about me doing that? And what do you think about moving to Calgary.
0: And 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 the rest is history, as they say. Well, a short year and six month history, but yes, the rest is history.
1: Well, and and universities aren't known for their quick action on uh, hiring uh, leadership positions. So, like it was epic. Uh, you know, it was like a, a nine month. You could you could actually conceive and have a child faster than you can become the president of a university. Uh, but uh, so you know, uh, a lot of lot of lot of dating, and uh, and uh, yeah, we got married, and uh, here here I am.
0: Well, that's interesting. Just talking about the, the, the process when they say, you know, hire slow, fire fast is the thing that gets thrown around. So to hear the hire slow part, does that also speak to uh, and a little bit, I'm peering in from the outside, someone who's, you know, enjoyed academia as a student years and years and years ago, but is that a bit of a symptom or a, or, or, or a part of the DNA of uh, educational like uh, academia to move slow? Or is that just strictly in the hiring? Because we're going to get into this, fa- this rapid, fast-paced world that we're living in in the last 10 months being exceptionally the case. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think it would be in some ways easy. Uh, I, I am well aware of some of the criticisms of the post-secondary sector. Uh, but I do think with respect to um, hiring, especially executive hiring, I think that there's a lot of stakeholders. Um, and they care very much about, about their leadership. And, uh, you know, there have been some uh, interesting cases in, in uh, Canada and around the world where that hasn't worked out. Um, so huge! It's a huge um, in, investment in a person, and and I would say, and the, you know, I, I my shoulders slump as I say this. Uh, I mean, what an honor! Uh, these people are entrusting me. These people. That doesn't sound nice. These <laughs> these these these, uh, these poor schmoes are uh, entrusting me uh, to you know be the face of the institution. Um, and I take that pretty seriously. And so I certainly, uh, I, it, you know, it didn't feel slow. It, it just, um, it, it just, uh, is one of those, uh, you know, good old fashioned processes where, you know, you've got governance and you've got students and you've got faculty and staff and they all want to be reassured.
0: And I can only imagine there's, you've got such a high degree of ownership from alumni, from the community who's now relying, the community being the business community and the, and just in general, that's relying on. Groups like yourself to bring the right people to market. The alumni seeing this legacy, this sense of pride that they have being stewarded forward, it feels like you have got a lot of optics on that on that role. You're not like oh, just a CEO who comes. Like there, there's more to it. And honestly, just the CEO again. We're we're stepping on our words here today. Yeah, just yeah. just just the CEO. But I can only imagine the amount of optics that's around. And is I can't. You kind of still blow me away with it. Was 12 years ago that they switched from a college to university. That feels like it was like a few years ago.
1: Yeah, no, it was 10. Uh, but it was the part of the part of the dialogue oh yes before that but you know i have a whole little kind of comedy routine that i do uh for our uh our our new board of governors members where i talk about the analogy because a lot of analogies are made between the post-secondary sector and the corporate sector and uh so you know i talk about you know this notion of running a store so imagine you know you're running you know uh you know hudson's bay or something like this you know does it map on well you know in the university Absolutely, everyone thinks they get a vote. I mean, essentially, you know, your 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 sales clerks get to say what your product is. They get a vote on what you're going to sell it for. They get to say faculty. You know, the the with regard to faculty, you know, the hours of operation. The alumni imagine running a store, and everyone who bought something from you then gets a vote in terms of how you run your store. I mean, that's like the alumni, right? Um, so you know it's an extraordinary, and you're regulated, right? You're you're regulated in terms of you know tuition that you charge, and so a lot of the business analogies break down pretty darn fast. Um, but uh, but uh, you know it's an extraordinary sector. I, I did three years in the three like I like a federal sentence. I did three years in the corporate in the corporate world, and uh, it was very eye opening, and uh, and uh, I loved it. But I missed. I missed working with very, uh, very uh, smart and critical thinkers that you know kind of kick the tar out of you every day. But they're just you know brilliant.
0: That's uh, interesting. Yeah, when you think about the stakeholders that you and how bought in they are to the thing that they're doing uh, in your with your group. Yeah, yeah, you know, they think, care. Yeah, yes, which is what we all we, we all say we want, but it shows up in different ways. You have to be prepared for caring when it shows up as a leader. I think that that's oh, yeah. that's a whole that's a whole other podcast. So. Obviously, there's no allusions to the economic transformation that we're going through in Calgary. And I want to talk about a few things, obviously, what the edu- the world of post-secondary is going through as well since post-COVID. But let's even back back up beyond that. In the last five years, Calgary has been back on its heels. Our primary sector has been going through heavy structural change. I guess getting your you've come in, you know, the past year and six months, the role you see, you know, just just talk about post-secondary in general playing in that economic transformation. And then also obviously how Mount Royal is plugging into that because it's a conversation that's on every one of my listeners' minds.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I would, uh, and and forgive me if I take it too far back, but I would say, first of all, you know, I'm a advocate for the post-secondary sector. And that includes colleges, universities, polytechnics, graduate schools, professional schools. Um, I mean, I think the Canadian promise of social mobility is something that a lot of us buy into at some level. Uh, you know, I'm a first-generation student and, um, and uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, going through and spending so long, long in school, uh, I think, you know, my family sometimes wondered, you know, why, why I would do that. Um, and I think that uh, right now, um, you, you know, I, well, obviously, I believe that the post-secondary sector is a contributor uh, to economic growth. Um, the dialogue right now is an interesting one because you know it's a multi-headed beast the, the post-secondary sector and uh, certainly in Alberta the dialogue around jobs is very much on the tip of everyone's tongues right and uh, you know so and I will never speak against the importance of, of jobs but I do think it's important for us to think about the sector as a whole and how each institution contributes to that um, I think at Mount Royal we certainly think about it broadly I think that we want to make sure that, um you know like other schools frankly but uh we want to think about you know the emphasis on undergraduate education um how our courses and the work experiences that we provide the hands-on you know whether that's work integrated learning experiential learning you know more than 80 percent of our courses have some element of this Um, and we want to make sure that we're producing what i would say i would contrast it by work ready Uh, people as opposed to a specific job that there's some breadth there that they're somewhat insulated in terms of a fickle economy. Um, And uh, the reality is that uh, I think sometimes people like you and I need to find our way. Um, I, you know, I did a course correction. I was studying sciences, uh, and, uh, that wasn't really, uh, doing it for me when I was, uh, you know, a mature 18, uh, and,
0: uh, making, making you know, like, what do you want to be when you grow up choices?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I took sciences because all my teachers told it, that that's what you do. Uh, if you want to work, that's what you study. Uh, so I went to Up and did pure and applied sciences, and I took an elective psychology class. And uh, I really enjoyed the psychology class. In fact, I thought that it was so straightforward. I thought you'd really have to be quite hard. You'd have to work really hard not to do well in that class. Uh, lo and behold, only to find at midterm that people were crying in the hallways because they hadn't done well. And I felt it was falling off a log, and thought, well, maybe there's something in the psychology thing for me, right? Uh, so, you know, changed that, and then spent the next, you know, decade uh, going to school, uh, training to become a, a psychologist. But, you know, I think that uh, everyone in the sector has a has a path and a journey. Um, and I think what we're trying to teach are, uh, uh, you know. Uh, specific skills, but also a, a kind of a broad set of um, knowledge and skills that will serve people well for the rest of their lives. And so when we're looking at some of the measures of this, you know, are we looking at what happens the day after someone graduates? Oh, they didn't get a job or the, the, the dreaded uh, meme of they're a barista. Um, and uh, and in fact, you know, in many cases, uh, this will be the education that students have this will be it. They won't go back. Uh, And this is the education that they'll have for the next three, four or five decades. And, and, you know, that education needs to give them some some learning skills, some transferable skills, a framework, um, hopefully a passion for learning, a regard for their fellow citizens and and hopefully, you know, if they need to retrain, it's in very specific areas. Um, and we, we as an undergraduate institution, also, you know, our students go on to grad school and professional schools. And and uh, and you know, I, I would if I were working in another school, I'm trying hard to recruit our students because I think they're they have experiences as undergraduate students that certainly, in my experience, I didn't get till I was a graduate student because I went to big, big, big schools like McGill.
0: Right. That's so interesting. I love that just, you know, you were, you know you, your background being in research-based universities versus you use the term work ready, which I really appreciate. And I think also resonates with the practicality of some of the challenges we're having in, in, in Alberta right now. So as, an, as a school, uh, do you guys, I guess, how do you delve, dovetail into what the needs are? I guess, do you, I guess, getting more of an understanding of looking at some of the, you know, rapid digital transformation that we're going through, some of these yeah. deep skill sets that are being missed right now in organizations like, yeah, we want to do this, but man, we just can't find data scientists or we can't find X. How much of, your, of what you do from a directional like what's happening next year is, is ingrained with what the gaps legitimately are? And I'm going to say now, that's the challenge. We're talking about three years from now, but the problems we're dealing with are, are immediate when it comes to skill gaps in Alberta.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we want to be responsive, obviously, and I think, uh, you know, I think uh, employers and government and parents and students who some of them are borrowing money to to get this education, expect us to be responsive. There's no question about that. You know, I think that um, people often think about what major they they're in. Um, and, you know, are you a, you know, a STEM graduate? Are you studying engineering? This is what we need. Uh, and and while those things may be important, I, I don't dispute that for Uh, on the whole. I think that uh, where we're going, I think as a sector, and I think where society's going, is the fact that we're going to have to have these skills embedded in everything we do. So when we talk about digitization, not everyone's going to be a computer scientist or writing apps, right? They are going to be business people. They are going to be, um, you know, working in social services. They are going to be nurses. They are going to be social workers, and they are going to have to work in the world that we're living in. So, you know, what can we embed within their their uh, education that will help them for that and help the sector. And, uh, you know, how can we uh, do that in a way that, um, you know, there's kind of a reciprocal uh, benefit, uh, both for a particular discipline, as well as for the individual who's, who's studying in it, right? So at, at Mount Royal, and I don't mean to keep, you know, uh, you know, I guess I'm supposed to by definition, be a, you know, the, <laughs> the chief cheerleader for Mount Royal. Um, but I think, I think lots of schools are trying to do this. We do it in a particular way that I think is, is pretty cool. But, um, you know, I think we've, you know, when you look at, we have a very popular nursing program. And uh, so you could say, you know, why would you have anything in a nursing program that isn't nursing skill-based? Um, but there is still value in making sure that people who are studying in a program like nursing or education or social work or, uh, you know, uh, or doing a, a Bachelor of Science for that matter, you know, people who want to be a biologist, you know, that they have some core element there, uh, that really helps them understand the world and contribute to it. And uh, aside just from the straight skills associated with their, with their uh, discipline or their program of studying.
0: I appreciate what I'm hearing you loud and clear of like building better humans, setting people up for success with a more of a balance, you know, that over specialization can, can create gaps and blind spots in other areas that you don't even realize if you just keep the blind, if you keep the blinders on.
1: Well, and I think if we look as a sector, right, I mean, you look at who's coming out of various programs, various schools, various programs, the reality is, I think if we're an employer, you know, I don't think they necessarily want everyone out of one program from one school. I think they want some people who, who, you know, are bringing different experiences. I think that's actually, uh, you know, a good risk mitigation strategy and probably really good for the team.
0: Yes, yeah, so increasing diversity to avoid blind spots and to increase your perspective as an organization or as an executive team, that's a competitive advantage. Because if you don't have it, it's exactly the opposite. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I, so I never studied law. I never studied accounting, and and believe me, you know, I am absolutely an amateur lawyer and accountant
0: in my job. I have to be. Uh, right? Yes, so yes. Yeah, the business generalist. Yes, absolutely.
1: Right. So I learned those skills from people who who you know, and and you know, I find myself in conversations where someone says, you know, I need to amortize something, and you know, well, you know, the rule about the rule of amortization. Well, actually, I don't. Uh, can you let me know what that rule of amortization is? Uh, and thank God, you know, you know it, and you're you're certified uh and uh but uh you know let's uh let's uh think i also uh it might not be as uh specific as amortization but i like to think i bring a skill or two to the table as well
0: Tim, don't you love getting a little bit older when it's okay to say, oh, wait, a, wait a second. I know I actually don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> when I was younger, I was maybe not as quick to put up my hand and go, yeah, obviously. And then I'm like, I have no clue. Let's say you get yourself way down the rabbit hole of trouble.
1: <laughs> well, when I was 20, I knew everything. Right? I, I, yes, yes. Right. I, I thought I knew everything. And now that I'm in my mid fifties, I'm like, holy moly, I have a lot to learn.
0: Oh, humility is a wonderful
1: thing. Yeah, absolutely. So
0: speaking of humility, your industry has been taxed. Like, Let's talk about uh, education as a business. Your world has been undergone a rapid, there's been a lot of businesses that have been impacted by COVID and had to quote unquote pivot and new normal and all those catchy phrases. Fundamentally, overnight, the world of post-secondary, for the most part, the majority have had to pivot to an online virtual model. There's lots of talk out there about what about value and why aren't, why am I still paying the same and I should get a deal. And like just talk about logistically what that was like for you as an organization. And then obviously, where's it where's it all headed? Like, it yeah. feels like it's disrupted forever, no matter what happens with, with COVID, which we all hope just quietly goes away. But the world of post-secondary feels like it has been changed now irrevocably. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, part one of your question is a little easier to answer than part two. But <laughs> yeah, I, part, I, I threw like
0: six <laughs> things in there. I realize. <laughs> uh
1: you know, part one is you know I I uh, I think that you know I remember uh, you know post traumatic stress and everything. I remember March very well, <laughs> and uh, and you know I think we had a full moon and uh, a stock market problem and uh, and uh, and COVID. And uh, uh, I mean, we had been all, I think, paying attention to it and and hearing about I was traveling and, uh, you know, I was wondering when I landed, if I was going to have to to quarantine anyway. um, You know, suddenly we had to pivot Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure that if I had come to Mount Royal University in, uh, you know, January and said, here's an idea, let's put all our courses online. Uh, they would have run me out of town with uh, tiki torches and sticks and beat me to a pulp, <laughs> right? Um, and, uh, you know, fast forward a couple of months and we did it. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I would say I am so uh, grateful uh, to the, the folks at the university and our students because I think the students, uh, I, frankly, I think we did about as good a job as we could do, but I think the students put up with a, put up with an awful lot of transition there. And the good news in that first semester was, you know, we had intact classes, they knew each other. Mount Royal is known for its smaller class size. And and so, you know, I I think that, you know, the cohorts and that was all set. And so I think that going online, pivoting to alternative delivery um, meant that, you know, those kinds of supports were in place. And I think faculty did an incredible job of using the technology we do have as well as following up. With others and doing kind of uh, follow-ups outside of class and you know Google chats or whatever they were doing, it was fantastic. Slightly different, I think, in, than in the fall, where you're starting off with students who have never been part of the university community. They're coming to the university for the first time, and they are starting. They're having their very first university class, and they're no, they're they're completely separate from. From their professors and their and their fellow students, so you know that I think has been uh, a huge challenge. I'm I'm I think I think we're rising to the challenge. Is it the same as face to face? No. Um, do I think we're hitting our academic mission for the most part? Yeah. I've heard mostly good stories. Uh, I've heard rumors that there are some 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 complaints out there that haven't come and complaints come to me remarkably quickly uh, but um, <laughs> but you know I'll just share with you I was early on in the pandemic I was uh, I had a, a, an opportunity I uh, had an online meeting with uh, some a group of faculty and one of our professors and I'm going to try not to use any identifying uh, characteristics here the,
0: the uh, names have been changed to protect yeah, the innocent
1: <laughs> absolutely so this is a, a professor in a discipline uh, and that um, you know is not uh, not known for its flexibility and uh, anyway and this uh, this professor shared with me, uh, and they're very long serving, and the professor shared with me that, you know, today, Tim, I taught my first online course ever. I have been doing this for multiple decades, um, and uh, about as long as uh, I've been alive, this
0: person has been doing this. Uh,
1: uh, So if
0: they're listening, they're going to know who you're talking about. (laughs) That's right.
1: But anyway, all this to say that uh, the professor shared with me that they were scared out of their minds, Mm. and uh, that it went remarkably well and never wanted to, never considered doing online education and uh, and, and learned a lot from it. So I think that's a good analogy of what's happening for the sector. I think we are all learning from it. I think we all dearly want to get back to what we know and what we're, we're comfortable with. I do think one of the lingering impacts here is that we have rapidly learned a pile of skills. And, um, and so I think that that does bode well for uh, you know, how we will do not only face to face, but how we'll do blended and and for a school like Mount Royal that has been primarily face to face, you know, maybe we will be doing more uh, online. I think in particular, when I think about, you know, one of the things uh, when I came to the province uh, that I heard about when I met my colleagues at the colleges and universities, the Alberta presidents, uh, was, hey, MRU, you, you know, you used to be a college and now you, you know, try to run around with the big boys and girls as the universities. And, you know, what about us? You know, how you know, we want, we want to still partner with you. Uh, and we do partner with a number of colleges. But I, I do think this uh, experience of the pandemic and on, online education may really help uh, as we consider the kinds of partnerships and the networking that can occur around the province. Um, and, uh, you know, we have some joint degrees with some colleges around the province, and, but maybe we'll be able to deliver in different ways. Um, and, uh, and I think the technology is evolving fairly quickly as well. Um, and so I'm I'm hopeful on that regard, but I I do think and so and and out of fear of you know professors at Mount Royal listening to this, I uh, remain committed uh, to uh, Mount Royal and its vision and uh, its uh, personalized experiences and uh, you know so I'm not saying we're gonna you know turn into the Amazon of of uh, Amazon.com of education, but I just think it's really good to have more tools in the in the toolbox.
0: That's that is my hope. Is you know, even as a business, people ask, "Well, what are we going back to the office and what does that look like?" And we can't wait to go back to the way it was. And you know, that's the cliche. It, it won't be the way it was, but it doesn't mean that the, there can't be a better version going forward. And I think you know, just choosing to look at it that way. You touched on something that I wanted to ask, and you kind of you kind of sideswiped me before I even got to ask it. If we're looking out a few years, does this become the? Does the world of education become Amazon? Let's just go the other way in that statement, or is it literally? Are we just going to learn a more of a complementary way to do it? It's like we're adding. It's like like the world of marketing I live in, you know, radio didn't replace newspaper, TV didn't replace radio, digital arguably. But what it's done for, for organizations is just give them many more options, which sometimes has actually made it much more complex for them to manage because now there's little slivers of stuff going on. Do you see that kind of fragmentation happening in education or more so because of this or were we already even on a path like that?
1: Well, you know, uh, I, I'm somewhat. Uh, you know, um, I I hate for this uh, to be the uh, the podcast that people play in uh, future business courses where they say, "Look at this idiot! <laughs> Boy, did, did he mispredict what's happening?" Right? <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, but uh, here's here's what I'm thinking when when I hear the question. Um, I have heard about the death of the university for a long time. Uh, we've heard about, uh, you know, why would you a pay for or attend your local university when you could take the great courses of the world through a MOOC through Oxford or Cambridge or Harvard or U of T and McGill or, you know, and, uh, and you know, but we know those MOOCs, uh, those massive online courses will have registrations that run in the thousands and, uh, and the completion rates are in the handful. Um and uh, so Th- that, about that's that. the interesting statistic
0: to talk about there actually that's the KPI you need to be looking at.
1: <laughs> right, and then we talk we we hear about badges and we hear about um you know this notion uh, private companies, uh whether that's the Google world or uh you know and there's no question that there has been a, a massive growth in private providers in the post-secondary sector, including at the graduate and professional level, uh like we haven't seen. Um, I don't think we had seen in the previous decades. So, you know, I, I think that what I would I, what I would predict is that we see absolutely an influence from the experiences that we're having, that I think the post-secondary world has always had. Post-secondary had huge influences from the depression. Um, you know, the, the post-secondary system in Canada grew massively after World War II because of the number of uh, soldiers that went to, to work, uh, to uh, school. Um, I think that the pandemic absolutely is going to leave an impression and a footprint on the post-secondary, on the sec- post-secondary world, and I, it probably should. Um, but I don't predict the demise uh, of it, uh, and, um, and I don't think that, as others have predicted, that universities are going to turn into you know, large warehouses for wealthy kids while the, uh, you know, while the regular kids go get their badges from Google um you know i i just don't see it i i think there i think that people inherently even when we're having the dialogue about jobs or people question the public investment in education i think inherently at some level people know there's value in the system
0: hmm, interesting from a from a global perspective i know you know just doing some research even for the show thinking about the amount of foreign students that came that have come to canada and see this as a kind of a beacon of of a place to come to get their education that's economical and to have a canadian experience obviously covid that feels that might be a short term like from a from from the position of you know, Canadian education on the global stage Uh, kind of thoughts on that. And I'm I'm waiting into territory where I don't have a lot of background understanding this, but looking at it as a potential market, net new migration to Canada and bringing smart people here and then hopefully keeping them here to me, it feels like a great strategy for the road ahead yeah
1: I mean it's interesting because it's always somewhat controversial I mean I, there's no question I mean my uh, you know I'll just share with you in my career I've had I've done a lot of work on internationalization and bringing large volumes of, of uh, students to Canada uh, and you know one of the attractive things about Canada is the this notion that there's a path to immigration um, and uh, you know in, in some ways and and as our neighbor to the south uh, and obviously a lot of change going on there is you know <laughs> yes. putting on, Travel bans. Here, I'm not talking about COVID travel bans. I'm talking about <laughs> bans on particular countries. You know, Canada has been seen as a as a viable alt- alternative, um, and I think that the Canadian system is the envy of many. Um, In so far as uh, you know, I think that. We don't, uh, our universities aren't known for rote learning. They're known for independent thinking. Um, you know, I've been in other places. I've been in India and, and some of the IITs, which are some of the best computer science engineering schools in the world and chatting with their uh, presidents or vice chancellors and, you know, having them say, you know, and these are schools that have entrance exams and take such a small fraction of the students who write these and, they, and they'll say like, oh, you know, maybe we could learn from you Canadians because you know, we are graduating these PhDs, and um, they're not succeeding, they're not able to think they can't necessarily, you know, um, you know, they're great. Uh, And of course, this is a sweeping generalization. And of course, these are fantastic schools. But I just think in some cases, uh, what you have is you have um, maybe graduates who haven't been exposed to the kinds of opportunities that we have in North America. Um, or or in the Western world um, and uh, you know the other thing is that in Canada we are so lucky because we don't have this um, you know a uh, quality gap in our institutions uh, I mean uh, you know if you go in other countries you know you can have good schools and bad schools um, and in Canada we may have some tremendous differences in reputation uh, of schools but in terms of actually what people learn, uh, and the quality of what they're they're learning—it's you know the the difference between between schools is, is really—it's uh, it's not huge.
0: That's interesting. Different cultures, maybe different slight angles and ways of doing things. But yeah, I've yet to meet in a candidate. Like, if they come from a certain school, I know they're going to be kind of have gone through this way and you'll just learn as an employer. But no one I would say, I'm like, oh, you had a bad education. It's funny. That hasn't even crossed my mind as a, I guess I just took it for granted that there is a certain standard of quality that exists here. That when you say that, thinking of it purely as an employer who's looking for skilled, skilled individuals, no one, no one's come to me with a bad education. They've just had different philosophies in terms yeah. of how they learned. Mount Royal students, being some of my favorite candidates because oh, they have a go. very practical nature to them. Now I'm blowing smoke, but that's a very true story. I've said that before. You can find some soundbite uh, yeah. of me saying that. That's not just today.
1: Well, I'm always happy when, you know, employers tell me that. And I think they're, you know, maybe they're being nice because I'm new to Calgary, but no, I've heard that uh, a fair bit, but I guess, uh, I guess I would share with you, you know, when I went to grad school, uh, I didn't do my undergraduate at McGill. I did, I went to grad school at McGill and, you know, I walked on that campus and, you know, I don't think they teach this, but it happens where people are like, Oh, where did you do your undergraduate? Oh, (laughs) You know, how sad for you uh, that you didn't do it here. And it's like, wow, you know what? A lot of us entering this program have, you know, we've come from schools across Canada and we can buy and sell you. We're as good as you. (laughs) Uh, And uh, so, uh, you know, we're all going to leave with the McGill stamp on our forehead. That's great. But uh, don't fool yourself, you know, like, uh, so, you know, and I've worked at UBC. I've worked at McGill. I've worked at Concordia. I've worked at the University of Manitoba. Can't keep a job. Uh, So uh, uh, (laughs)
0: eclectic, it's eclectic, it's a mixed bag, macro. <laughs>
1: yeah. So well, all, all this to say is, you know, like students come out of, of, you know, universities that were formerly colleges and and what have you, and it's really what they do uh, with it. And, uh, I mean, like you that, know, yeah, fair enough. you know, you can, it is possible to do an undergraduate degree and, and, you know, kind of phone it in. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, you got to milk it for all it's worth.
0: Uh, so it's a different perspective. Everyone's going to take advantage of the situation from, you know, take the tools and do with it what they will to a certain extent.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know,
0: Curious just to ask, because it's you know obviously a topic that comes up all the time, disruptive, you know, the amount of technology that's disrupting how everyone does business now. So curious from your guys' perspective, things like blockchain, you know, AI, machine learning, not not even how you're educating them, but how are they affecting you as a business? Because you know, you're you're in an interesting position because you're not only dealing with your own transformation, you're setting people up for the transformation of the world that they're going out into. So just as you know, education as a business, I'm only assuming that all of these different technologies are coming at you guys fast and furiously. Like as as in terms of how you operate,
1: yeah. I mean, I think there's uh, different elements of it. It's you know the impact on us in terms of you know um, the the university as an enterprise and what these things mean, as well as mm-hmm. you know where I think we think about it a little bit more. Um, um, well, you know, we're, we're certainly paying some attention to this is what does this mean in terms of uh, our credentials, the degree requirements and the experiences that students have. <clears throat> so the first one is, you know, there's been a lot of dialogue around, you know, you know, what job going to be around uh in the future are robots going to be doing your job or my job um you know uh maybe one day i don't i don't think in the next year uh i'm trying to make it i I think we have 12 (laughs) to 18
0: months at least of a runway
1: yeah I'd, i'd like to make it to you know be pensionable before a robot takes over uh but uh but definitely you know the the impact of ai means i think you know the what i said to you before about this notion of broad skills uh essential skills um, you know, and uh, the World Economic Forum has some wonderful publications on this. The, the Chartered Banks in Canada have put out a number of publications, uh, Rural Banks, Humans, Humans Wanted. Uh, these are great uh, things, I think, because they talk about, you know, what are the things that are on the upswing and what's on the downswing? And, you know, the ability to communicate, the ability to work in teams, the ability to think critically, you know, those things are, are probably, you know, those influence us greatly. Uh, in terms of what we're doing, right? Um, you know, we're also, I think, very intrigued in terms of issues of multidisciplinarity, right? So as I said before, right? So if, you, if you're dealing with IT and digitization, what does that mean if you're studying business? You could study business, you know, in a very pure business-like sense. You could study retailing, or you could study, um, you know, securities, but there is an element here of uh, the world that we that we live in where we need to think more broadly about what does this mean in terms of now I couldn't necessarily explain to you what blockchain is at gunpoint, um, but you know, like I'll, I'll put
0: my shotgun back under the desk.
1: <laughs> you know, so so you know, and luckily, uh, you know, I'm not responsible for that. But I, I think though, what I what I certainly want to be part of in within the university itself, in Mount Royal, as well as with my colleagues in the sector, is, you know, what are these major trends? So I mean, I think when we look at some some areas like uh, Mount Royal has a strength in supply chain analytics. Now, IT has had a huge impact on supply chain analytics and the tools that we're using to teach uh, those kinds of things in terms of supply chain, I'm sure are vastly different than they were uh, five years ago. And uh, so, you know, those kinds of things that we need to kind of uh, stay um Ahead uh, on now the other aspect of it, and uh, you know, I was chatting recently with our librarian and talking about just you know the whole phenomena of information overload. You know, how do you even navigate in this world the amount of information that we have? How do you make meaning of it, right? And so, uh, you know, I wasn't alive, uh, you know, in in the eighteen hundreds, obviously, but I think when you went and you got an education, it was entirely possible to master a literature. That's not possible anymore. Now you have to be able to navigate it and make meaning of it. And so I think education, you know, before when we were joking around about, you know, the the time it takes to hire a president. So I, you know, I think there may be perceptions that universities don't change, but in fact, I think they respond really well um, and at the very least thoughtfully uh, to what's going on in the world around them.
0: It's which you're, a little bit from the outside, there is that 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 image sure. or that impression, and it and and, it, and it's there and it exists. Like, so, so as a leader, you know we'll pick on the fact you're a leader in 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 post-secondary yeah how do you how do you create a culture of openness to all these new things that are coming at you where you've got people that have been spending 30 years you know your your story about your professor of like i was scared you know out of my mind to do this thing because how do you how do you as a leader foster that openness to like it's okay that you've been doing for something for 30 years and all of a sudden you feel like you don't have the answers because that can be that can be really soul crushing if you're that individual hey we've all had those little mini moments those little mini moments of crisis we're like whoa I don't have a clue what's going on, but heck, please don't anybody, like imposter syndrome, please don't need to let anybody find out. When you're a leader in a, in a role of education, that's a pretty tough paradigm, even though you're still human. Like, let's not let's not devalue that.
1: Well, you know, the thing, you know, I think the good news is that uh, certainly the faculty, students, and staff at, at Mount Royal look to leadership all over the place, not only to their own president. And they're very influenced by business leaders. Uh, they're very influenced by, you know, we've got some great people in Calgary. Uh, we've got some character. We've got some very well-known leaders in Calgary, uh, some of whom you've had as uh, guests. And uh, and so, you know, I think they're influenced by all of that. So I think that, you know, for me, uh, my particular brand and spin on that is to try to bring a certain human element to this. Um, I don't, for a hot second as a president, think I've got it all wrapped up. I think we do have to demonstrate, especially in the midst of COVID. I mean, I believe this before COVID, believe me, but, uh, we have to, we have to be able to talk about vulnerability. I think we have to be able to be compassionate. Um, and I think if people, you know, it's a hard time, you know, like, uh, at the university, we've had to lay people off. Uh, you know, we've got some real financial pressures and, uh, you know, I'm surprised that, you know, um, uh, you know, when I appear at a town hall meeting online or when I'm walking down the hallways on campus, people don't kick me, right? Because every time they see me, it's, it's generally not great news. Um, and You've got
0: the the sickle and the and the and the cloak. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, that's
0: not that. No, that's tough as a leader. It's like I mean, it's not all glamorous. Like he's like it yeah, looks yeah. like in the brochure, Tim.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got this fancy robe and hat, so I just wear that when I'm feeling low and uh, <laughs> <just> put on. <laughs> put on your power. Put on your power suit, Tim. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, put, put on the gown. Uh, yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I think that I think that um, you know, my message these days is really you know trying to reiterate to people. Because I think sometimes people are forgetting we're going through a pandemic. You know, it's like, oh, it's the third week of October and it's a Friday. You know, this is due and it's some mundane thing. And it's like, really? Today? Like in the midst of this? We got to do this silly thing? Um, so I think that's tough. So I think my message is really one of compassion and, and one of gratitude. And I think that's how you, you know, people have to, you know, in some ways you can ask them, uh, you can show them. Uh, But they have to figure out some of these things for themselves. And I think where we are right now in the pandemic, frankly, is we're in this kind of, uh, we all kind of took a deep breath in March, uh, kind of let's kind of hunker down and hold on for dear life. And now we're getting tired um, because we're looking at the snowfall in Calgary and we're thinking, oh, holy moly, right? Like it, it might be a while before it's warm again and we can go outside and, you know, so... It's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a tough time. So I think it's really facing a little bit of this, if this, uh, this this reality that, you know, we will have to sometimes do things differently. And it is very uncomfortable. Um, and who thought that, you know, coming to work might be interpreted as risk, right? And, and now people are like, wow, you know, if I take the bus, I'm exposing myself to risk. And, um, you know, and, and I would say that people are learning and beginning to deal with a certain amount of, of that apprehension um, and others aren't. And so those who aren't are watching those people going forward and, you know, that's kind of how, how this kind of learning happens. So um, I kind of went off there on a little bit of a wild goose chase, but I mean, I think with respect to change in, 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 in general and change in the post-secondary world, uh, you know, some of these things happen uh, to us and some of these things we participate in and uh, and and I think right now we're we're really doing both. Uh, there's a few things like that rapid transition onto online education had to happen. Um, it had to happen for us to be able to fulfill our obligations to our students. It had to happen so that we could keep our doors virtually open. Um, But then a pile of other stuff came out of it. And people did that kind of on their own pace and in their own way. And the way one person does it isn't the way the other person does it. And there's a bit of a community forming to say, well, I did this. Oh, how did it go? And, 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 you know, people are learning from that, right? Um, but it is. There's, there's, I mean, there's been exhausting. some great
0: things come out of it, to your point. Like, to, you know, that sense of, you know, it got done to us, and then we took a little bit of control. But I also do agree with you loud and clear. We kind of made this agreement, like, okay, we'll buckle down, but enough already. And I think that's where you're getting that real fatigue, for sure. And it's it's starting to grate on people, especially as the weather has changed. It's amazing yeah, the impact yeah, that can have. Yeah, yeah,
1: I see it in my email, right? I mean, the emails I get, it's you know, they might as well start with, like, you stupid bastard. Um, I mean, you know, <laughs> like, like that's just the opening. No, you know, and you know, you're probably <laughs>
0: going to get an email now specifically in brackets because of that. Just so, you know, I heard you were okay with this title. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Right. And, and people, you know, for the most part, and I have my own, you know, finite energy stores, but for the most part, I try to look at that and understand, you know, these people like, man, like this really, like if you're 18 right now and like this sucks,
0: this yeah, you, you you're, you're getting kind of ripped off in real time. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And if you're, if you, you know, if you graduated from high school in 2020, you know, that sucked. And, and, uh, you know, if you're a, a, you know, a young faculty member who started, you know, you really love being around young people and, you know, you're not having the same experience. And so, yeah. you know, uh, uh, you know, I, uh, all I can really say is uh, to the folks here and at other institutions, you know, and, one, you know, I think all of us are very grateful for whatever what everyone's doing. Two, it uh, in light of what's happening in Calgary and around the world, and and you know the issues we're facing, is how how lucky we are. Even if we're not feeling lucky, we, we are pretty lucky. Um, and um, you know, a lot of a lot of folks in 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 Calgary are are uh, are having a hard time.
0: Yes, this was an unfortunate, you know, left hook, right hook, uppercut, elbow, kick, and the groin or wherever, <laughs> you know, the last five years has been challenging and, you know, COVID, COVID came on top of what had already been a, a city that, or province that has certainly been back on our heels for a long period of time.
1: Well, and I think that, you know, I, my own experience of transitioning to, to Calgary has been great. People have been very kind to me. People have been very welcoming. I, 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 I kind of, I thought it had something to do with the position I was occupying, but I find this even when I'm at the supermarket or out in public or whatever, people are just really nice here. Um, but, you know, in chatting with some business leaders here and, and some other, there's, you know, there has been some boom and bust and there's been a number of cycles here that haven't happened in other jurisdictions. And so one of the things that I found remarkable was that, you know, there can be a little bit of compassion fatigue. Um, and so you say, you know, this thing happened and it's a bad thing. And they're like, Oh yeah, well that happens, you know, let's suck it up. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, in, in, and that's, that's, just, that's the
0: Alberta bumper sticker right there for sure. <laughs> so good, yeah.
1: And, and these are, these are great people. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think during the pandemic in particular, um, you know, it's not my place to, to, to tell people what to do. But if possible, I think yeah, I'm trying to do this for myself. You know, when someone tells me something like that, I'm trying to dig deep and trying to, to really think about what they're going through as opposed to going, yeah, know, yeah, check out my email. You know,
0: like, yes. (laughs) No, you you don't want to get the 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 one-upmanship of like, oh, you want to see shitty? I'll show you shitty. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Exactly. No, nobody, nobody wins from that. Uh, Interesting. Just, and you know, we're getting. I appreciate you. We have a we have a hard stop here for wanted to wanted to touch on when you look at nationally and you look at you know how Alberta how Alberta is being run from an educational perspective in alignment with government. And maybe this is a big one to ask it to. Yeah, yeah. R- 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 are we, are, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know that's a tough one. Uh, I guess, are we being set up for success? Is there some challenges there? Cause I know, I know there is, and I maybe shouldn't have left this right to the end, but I'm like, Hey, the one thing we didn't talk about, I'll put you on the spot. We might have to push pause and put this one for another episode. <laughs> Well do, do you want to wait in Tim or do you want to do you wanna take the mulligan on this one?
1: <laughs> no, no, I won't I won't no. I, I, I believe in trying to answer things uh, to the best of my ability. You know, um, there's been an awful lot going on. So the context here is, you know, like one of the things that happened was there was a, a big review about a year ago, the McKinnon report, that looked at the costs associated with the delivery of everything in the public service, frankly, right? So there's part of that that, um, that talks about uh the cost of post-secondary and the per head cost and it compares bc ontario and alberta and uh you know so there's a strong recommendation there that um you know uh, tuition was capped in alberta and that uh, there should be a transfer uh that the user should pay more and the government should pay less um and uh you know i think that's uh certainly you know students don't necessarily like the idea of paying more Uh, and certainly concerned about the cost. And, uh, you know, if you look at some of the graphs around the cost of post-secondary, they have escalated over the years. Um, And, um, you know, you can criticize those and say like, oh, well, why are universities, you know, installing, you know, whatever climbing walls? Or why are they, why do we have this or that or the other? Um, You know, I think there's a, a, a counter narrative there as well in terms of what the expectations are. Uh, you know, the amount of money we spend on mental health promotion, the amount of money we spend in terms of, you know, supporting uh, students who are, are coming with uh, complex uh, backgrounds, our commitment to getting people into the system who haven't had access to it before. Um, you know, those aren't necessarily those things that are actually propelling those costs. But on the whole, uh, you know, we're we're a much broader business than we used to be. We're not just about lectures and and uh, you. Know, we're 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 bigger than that. Um, you know, uh, the good news is, you know, for a school like Mount Royal, like we come in actually very much uh, online with uh, BC Ontario and those figures. Uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, it's it's uh, certainly uh, a big concern, especially as provincial revenues are not doing well in light of the resource economy. So right now there's um, a review, a system review of the post-secondary system called Alberta 2030 and the future of jobs. And uh, I'm I'm participating as part of that review on something called the guiding coalition along with business leaders and uh, some representatives from the sector including student leaders and faculty leaders and really asking these these kind of tough questions. Um, And there really are questions around access Um, you know, how many post-secondary seats should there be in the province? Uh, What should it cost to go? Uh, What are the elements of quality that we're looking for in our post-secondary sector? And, you know, people have shared with me concerns around, you know, duplication. If, If a program is offered at Mount Royal, should it be offered at you know, uh, Lethbridge, uh, should be offered at McEwen. Um, And I think that, uh, you know, if there's sufficient demand, personally, I feel that uh, if there's sufficient labor demand and there's sufficient number of people who want to take the course, and um, yeah, sure, that makes sense that we would have multiple offerings of that in the province. But some people wonder, why would you do that? Why, Why don't we have one medical school? Why don't we have one social work program? Why isn't it, you know, and I think the answer is because not everyone is in those places. Um, I think, um, you know, the colleges that are located in more rural areas or Northern areas of the, of the province want to keep their people and want to figure out how to do that. I think that's, that's not unreasonable. So I know, uh, you know, it's not a quick, a short snapper, um, I think there's some really tough questions. I think what's interesting is the questions are being asked in every jurisdiction and they're being asked slightly differently and they're being answered slightly differently. So it will be very interesting to see what uh, Alberta comes up with. We spoke earlier about jobs and work. And you know when you talk about Alberta 2030, uh, we're not talking about tomorrow. And so I think when we have this discussion, we need to think about the jobs in 10 years um, and there's lots of jobs that don't exist yet. So we have to have an education system that's going to prepare people for this work and we don't know what that work is. We don't know what industries are going to be here. And so we need a system that's robust enough, uh, to be able to meet those demands, uh, certainly easy to criticize a system that we don't pivot quickly. It's a fair criticism. Um, uh, but I think that what my, my response would be, we pivot in ways that, you know, it might not change the title of the degree, but we absolutely pivot um, in terms of, of what's happening within the degree. Um, but, you know, uh, we, have a, we have a very interesting process in the province of getting credentials approved and, and uh, so we have help in not pivoting quickly. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah <laughs> yes. I, I understand. Sometimes, sometimes roadblocks are a team sport. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. I, sorry, I threw out a big one right at the end yeah, there. I yeah. was as, as as going all. through my mental checklist. I'm like, "Whoa, there's this one that we haven't touched on well, yet. I'd be
1: happy. You know, I think there's others who might as well be happy to chat about this as well. I mean, we, you know, we went from something, you went to something pretty heavy, but you know, I guess what I would say is, uh, uh, I believe, I believe in the system, I believe it can do great things for Alberta. I, I think it has, and I think it will. And uh, and so we'll just have to, you know, understand the 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 uh, live within our means to the best of our ability. Um, yes, and, that's a, that, that's a
0: tough one for Alberta right now. Absolutely. You
1: yeah. know, that's the challenge. And and I think I I certainly get that. But I think you know it's it, uh it's it's a it's a tough one. I think it's a tough one if we, you know, um there's some real hard decisions that need to be made.
0: Yes, no, I agree. Tim, thank you I really appreciate you willing to dig into that one. That was a bit heavy right at the end. That's that's the the one negative side effect of my curious mind. Also, I'm like, Oh, wait, I forgot to ask this. And then I'm like, Oh, that was a lot bigger question than you just threw out there, kind of in passing. But Tim, I really appreciate the share today and the conversation and clearly your student centric approach. That you, you open with that and I hear that loud and clear of providing an experience that's gonna like build better humans for a better future for them and everyone included. And that's no small undertaking. So I say it flippantly and say it very lightly, but I do appreciate that that is a that's that's a tall order that that you have as a as a, as an organization to not only feed the needs of of organizations out there in our province and our and our society, but you these are still humans and you're trying to give them the best experience possible and set them up for success. That's that's no small no small task. And thank you guys for the work you are doing. I am a, a huge fan of uh, Mount Royal and everything you guys do here in town.
1: Well, thank you, Tyler. I think it's uh, it's a great opportunity to chat with you, and I just you know I'm so proud of of what we do uh, at Mount Royal, and I and I really am for my for the for my uh, sibling institution. Institutions around the province—they do just amazing things—and uh, you know, I certainly feel that we're part of that uh, that system, and and uh, and we are absolutely committed to the, the people of Alberta, the employers of Alberta, and even to the government of Alberta.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nicely said, Tim. I'm gonna cl- <laughs> I'm gonna close this on that note. Thank you, sir. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with you. My pleasure.